I'm going to claim that promise. I'm going to claim that word for my life. You need to understand that Satan will come immediately and try to take that word from you. There is a battle that is going on for the word of God. He wants to, to take that word from you. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us today. The, um, the title of the message this morning is The Battle for the Word. It's important to understand that there is a battle that is going on in your life that the enemy does not want you to walk in the Word of God and in the power of the Word. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, He he knows what the intents of our heart are. He knows our thoughts even before we think them. But it's important to understand that the Word of God is living and it is powerful and that the enemy does not want you to walk in that power. In John 1 and 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we understand that Jesus is the Word of God that became flesh, that Jesus is the Word. Hebrews 10 and 7, it says, Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do your will, O God. So we know that Jesus, when he became flesh, it was the Word of God. It was the promise of God that, that was given as a word that became flesh, that became a reality. And we understand that the, the Word of God, when God speaks a word, that it does not return void, but it accomplishes what he sends it forth to do. And that the Word of God has power in our lives. And there is a battle. The enemy does not want you to walk in the Word of God. And so his goal is to try to keep you from the Word. I don't know about you, but it oftentimes if I, if I, if I set my mind, I'm going to be reading my Bible. I'm going to be studying the Word of God. I'm going to be spending time with the Lord. And I've set aside this certain time of the day that I'm going to do this. The enemy will, will bring out everything he can. All hell will break loose. You will have people coming to your house. They will call your phone. They will text you. There'll be all these kinds of distractions, but we need to understand that this is the plot of the enemy to keep you from the word of God and the power that is in that word. In Matthew, the second chapter, it talks about when Jesus was born. And we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was born in a manger and the wise men, they came to see him. 
But on their way, they had met with Herod, and King Herod had told the wise men, said, you go visit this, this king, you go visit this Jesus, but come back and tell me where he's at so that I can go and worship him. And we all know that uh, Herod was full of evil. That was not his goal to go worship the Christ child, but his goal was to have him killed. And so in verse 16, it says, then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And what had happened, the Lord had told the wise men to um, don't go back to Herod. You go back into your country another way um, because the Lord knew the plot that Herod had. And so when Herod found out that the wise men did not come back to see him, but they returned to their own country, he, he saw that he was deceived by the wise men and was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time when he had determined from the wise men. And so we understand from this scripture that Jesus was, was the, um, the word of God that had become flesh. And this, this Herod was a representative of Satan. And so his goal was to destroy the word while it was still in infancy. He wanted to destroy Jesus before he came to that full maturity in God and walk in the, in the prophetic and the anointing that God had for him to fulfill his calling and purpose as the son of God. So Satan wanted to destroy him in his infancy, and he does the same thing to us. If he can stop that word from being planted into our spirit, then that is his goal. That's what he wants to do to keep us from walking in the word of God. In Mark, the fourth chapter, it says, listen, Jesus is, is given a parable here, and he's talking about a sower. He says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And of course, we know that the disciples that came to Jesus and said, we don't understand this parable. We need you to explain it to us. And so in verse 13, it says, and Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he said to them, he said, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. So we're talking about the word of God here. The sower sows the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. This is, I think this is very important here that we understand the moment that we hear the word of God, the moment that we receive a word from God, the moment that we hear that preacher or that prophet or whoever is speaking and you hear a word and there's something 
down in your spirit that says that word is for me that a word applies to my life i'm going to claim that promise i'm going to claim that word for my life you need to understand that satan will come immediately and try to take that word from you there is a battle that is going on for the word of god he wants to to take that word from you the very moment that it is sown. It says, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Have you ever received a word from God and, and it just thrilled your heart? Maybe the Lord just spoke to you from the scriptures. You're praying for your children and, and God just puts a confirmation in your spirit that he's, he's got this. He's taking care of those children or you're believing for a miracle and God says, you know, my promises are true. Hallelujah. And this, you can walk in this promise. You can have this promise. Amen. And you receive that word with gladness. Gladness. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times I've heard a word and I received it with gladness because I knew it came from the Lord. And I knew that what God said, he would fulfill that promise in my life. But, but he's talking about these people that when the, the word was sown in their hearts, is these are the ones that are sown on the stony ground, who when they hear the word, Immediately they receive it with gladness. They're glad for those promises. And the word of God is filled with many, many awesome, wonderful promises. And they received it with gladness. But it says they have no root in themselves. They have no confidence. They have no spiritual foundation in themselves. It says they have no root in themselves. And so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. I can tell you from experience, you receive a word of God, the enemy's going to come immediately immediately, and say, you can't have that. That's not for you. You've messed up. You're, you know, you, you may be, you might be saved, but I can, but the enemy will come immediately and try to take that word out of your heart. And he can tell you all kinds of reasons that you won't receive that word. And so he tries to persecute you and tries to take that word from you. But because they had no root in themselves, they had no foundation. And so when the persecution came, they, they let the word go. They, they didn't hold on to it. They didn't allow that word to germinate in their spirit. And they didn't allow that word to come to full maturity till, to the point where they saw the promise become a reality in their life. Verse 18 said, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So we understand that this group of people, they just have too much stuff going on in their lives. You know, they, they've got, they got, they have cares and they have responsibilities and we have to be careful because oftentimes your life is full. You may have a career. You may have children at home. You may have a lot of things going on in your life that are very important, that are, that are crucial and critical. But we need to, to be careful that we make Jesus Christ the Lord of our life. The scripture says to seek first the kingdom of heaven. And all these other things would be added unto you. Seek him first. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Seek him first in your day. When your day starts, seek the Lord first. Make him the Lord 
of your life because if you don't then you're then you'll it'll be like these that that the cares of life the responsibilities the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things will come in and choke that word and will push that word to the back burner and it says and it becomes unfruitful you have to receive the word you have to let that word germinate in your spirit you have to meditate on it you have to spend time with the lord you have to give that word time to grow and, and to come to full maturity and then at a, there'll be a point when you'll see that promise and that word of god become a reality in your life there's a scripture that talks about time testing you i don't know anything that will test you anymore than the time from the time the seed is planted till the time that it brings forth fruit in your life and verse 20 says but these are the ones sown on good ground those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit some 30 fold some 60 and some 100 fold the word of god hallelujah is quick and powerful and it will produce fruit in your life revelation 19 11 says and now saw the heavens opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war his eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of the almighty god and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords we should always make sure that jesus christ is the the lord of her of our life and it says that he has a name called the word of god and we know that jesus is the word made flesh galatians 4 and 4 says now i say that an heir as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. This is important because we come, we, when we become saved, when we ask Jesus Christ into our heart, ask him to forgive us our sins and make him the Lord of our life, we're a child of God at that moment. The moment the blood is applied to our hearts, we are a child of God. But it also says here that we, that we are an heir but as long as we're, but if we don't mature into the place that God wants us to, then it says that we, we don't differ at all from a slave, though we are the master of all. We are a child of God and everything that God has, we, we are heirs to that. But we have to grow in maturity and to receive all that God has for us. Verse two says, but it's under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of, as sons. Aren't, we, aren't you glad that he received us as his children, that we are adopted into the family of God? 
Verse 6 says, and because you are sons, God has set forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I believe this morning that we are heirs of God. If we're a child of God, we are an heir. Now, we often think of being an heir as to, as to what we receive when we go to heaven, and that's true, but that we are also heirs of the promises of his word that he has today for us, and we can receive those promises while we are here. Romans 8 and 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Aren't you glad? That, that if we, the word says that if we suffer, if we struggle through th some things, that we'll also be blessed and glorified together with him. Verse 18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I know there's a scripture that Jesus pressed toward the mark of the prize, that Jesus pressed on, you know, not considering what he was going through, but for the glory that was set before him him. Amen. And sometimes we have to go through some stuff. We have to push through some stuff. We have to suffer through some things in order to get to the promise, in order to get to where God wants us to be. To be. And when we see the, the um, fulfillment of the promise, amen, then we can be glorified. Hallelujah. We will be glorified in that promise. He says, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. And I believe that's something that goes on even this day, that the whole earth groaneth, that the whole creation groans for the expectation, for the manifestation of the sons of God. And what I believe is talking about there for, for the children of God to come into a realization of who they are, to walk in that full maturity that Paul talks about, where we are walking in the promises and we're seeing the fulfillment of all that God promises for, her, for his children. There is a reason that the enemy wants to keep you from the word of God. He, he wants to keep you from those promises. He, you know, the Bible says that his people perish for a lack of knowledge. If you don't know that scripture says that by his stripes you are healed, then you will not be able to walk in that promise. You will not have the knowledge that Jesus made provision when he died on the cross. The Bible says that by his stripes we are healed. He made provision for us when Jesus died died on the cross and he rose again victorious on the third day. Everything that we need in this life was accomplished on the cross. Amen. He, when he, when he died, he, he paid the price to purchase our salvation th so that we could be saved. The stripes that he bore was for our healing. The Bible talks about the, the peace that Jesus suffered through so that we could have peace. Everything that we needed, Jesus paid the price for us to have when he died on that cross and he rose victorious 
on the third day over death, hell, and the grave, and over all the powers of the enemy. And God, and Jesus did this so that we can walk and have the promises that He gave us. Amen. God bless you. I pray this was a blessing to you. Hold on to the promises of God and know that God's word will not return void, but it will accomplish what He has sent it forth to do. Amen. And God bless you.